On Enmeshed, we discuss crimes and situations that may be disturbing for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Enmeshed, the show that reveals some of the most poisonous people come disguised as family. Enmeshed family members are fused together by unhealthy emotions instead of the strong bonds that signal a well-functioning family. Boundaries are blurred and unhealthy relationship patterns are formed. Hello and welcome to Enmeshed, the podcast that explores family relationships and crime. I'm Amanda. And I'm Pam. And today we're traveling to Nashville to talk about two cousins whose greed and cruelty led them to murder 57-year-old country musician David Stringbean Aikman and his wife, 59-year-old Estelle, in cold blood in 1973. To set the scene, I'd like to share the first few lines of The Ballad of Stringbean and Estelle from Sam Bush's 2009 album, Circles Around Me. It goes. On Ridgetop, Tennessee, in 1973, the Brown Boys killed Stringbean and Estelle. The reason for it all was in the bib of his overalls. Least that's what the Brown Boys would tell. The thieves laid in wait for hours, but things didn't go their way. But he wouldn't let go of his Opry pay. Stringbean Aikman was born into a musical family on June 17, 1915. As he became a performer himself, Stringbean wore many hats as a claw hammer banjo player, a singer-songwriter, a comedian, an actor, and even a semi-professional baseball player. He was featured on the 1969 variety show Hee Haw and frequently played the Grand Old Opry. Evidently, a number of country stars went the semi-pro baseball route, and with Stringbean's height of 6'5 and his talent as a pitcher, he caught bluegrass giant Bill Monroe's eye. Monroe didn't even know about Stringbean's musical talent as he recruited him to his own baseball club. The two worked together for a few years in baseball, comedy, and music before splitting up in 1945. Stringbean was replaced by Earl Scruggs, who was well-known for his three-finger banjo style, while Stringbean was well-known for his two-finger and claw hammer style. Soon thereafter, Stringbean married Estelle Stanfill and began working with another old-time banjo legend, Grandpa Jones. Later, Grandpa Jones, Stringbean, and Estelle would become neighbors, which is something to keep in mind for later. Now, as part of his musical comedy act at the Grand Old Opry, Stringbean would wear a long, striped nightshirt that he would tuck into pants that he'd fastened around his knees, so it looked like he was a very tall man with ridiculously short, stubby legs. He'd play banjo dressed like this and get big laughs. Stringbean became more and more famous, performing with dozens of country stars even before he recorded his own solo material. He's still regarded as one of the greatest old-time style banjo pickers. 
According to everything I found, String Bean and Estelle were well-loved by everyone in the country music community and were also really well-suited to each other. They were very good friends with Grandpa Jones, which is probably why they all decided to live on neighboring properties out in the country about 30 minutes away from the Opry stage in Nashville in an area called Ridgetop. Stringbean and Estelle had grown up during the Depression. Despite the fame and the money that came with it, they enjoyed a simple rural life. Stringbean joked that they could leave a bucket of cash on their porch, head out of town for a couple of days, and when they came back, it would still be there. A bad omen for things to come. And because of their Depression-era upbringing, Stringbean did not trust banks. They kept all their money either on them or hidden in that cabin. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get into the night Stringbean and Estelle Aikman died. Are you planning an event with audio and visual needs but are not sure where to start? Waves Entertainment can help. Waves Entertainment is your premier full-service management company with high-quality custom solutions for any size event. Whether you are planning a large festival or concert, a corporate meeting or wedding, Waves Entertainment will power your event to excellence. Our team of industry professionals work closely with your vision to ensure your audience hears every word, sees every detail, and remembers the experience. Our goal is to ensure your event is customized to fit your needs and provide professional-grade equipment to amplify your message. From live stage production and talent booking to vendor coordination, event staffing, and more, Waves Entertainment is your one-stop shop for the perfect event. Visit our website, wavesentertainment.com, or give us a call at 704-662-2435. That's 704-662-2435. Waves Entertainment, powering your event to excellence. To quickly recap, country music star Stringbean Aikman and his wife Estelle lived a fairly frugal life in Ridgetop, Tennessee, just half an hour from Nashville. Scarred from the Depression, the couple didn't use banks and instead kept their money either on them or hidden in their cabin. This was something of a well-known secret, as Stringbean would occasionally flash wads of cash around. Oh yeah, those well-known secrets. Both of them had hidden pockets sewn into their clothes and made a habit of keeping most of their money buried in those pockets, with a little bit of money kept in easier-to-access places, like Estelle's purse or Stringbean's front pocket. Their only real extravagances were a color TV and a new Cadillac each year. Otherwise, the two were happy to live a quiet, simple life when Stringbean wasn't on the Grand Ole Opry stage. And because he regularly appeared on that stage on Saturday nights, cousins John Brown and Doug Brown, both 23, decided Saturday, November 10th, 1973, was the perfect night to rob Stringbean and Estelle's cabin. Doug's brother Charlie was married to a woman who worked for Stringbean's booking agency. She'd let slip that there had to be tens of thousands of dollars in that cabin, so while Stringbean performed for the last time at the Opry, Doug and John were ransacking the Aikman home. 
They kept the radio tuned to the Grand Ole Opry so they'd know exactly when String Bean would be coming home. Enmeshment time, y'all. That's right. As the cousins were tearing through the house, they couldn't find any of this supposed cash, so they decided to wait for String Bean to come home and force him to tell them where he was hiding his wealth. It's believed that when the Aikmans pulled up to their house, String Bean noticed something was wrong, so he went ahead while Estelle stayed by the Cadillac. He placed his banjo on the porch and either drew a pistol or grabbed a shotgun that was stored on the porch. There's conflicting reports there, although I'm inclined to believe he had a pistol on him, as the cousins likely would have removed a shotgun from the porch if they were trying to ambush String Bean. As he entered the house, he surprised the men, and one of them immediately shot String Bean. Hearing the shot, Estelle ran from the car to go get help. Tragically, one of the cousins hunted her down. Sadly, she was begging for her life before being shot in the back of the head. They stole her purse, some guns, a couple of chainsaws, and $250 that was in String Bean's overalls. Then they took the Cadillac and fled. The next morning, their neighbor and beloved friend, Grandpa Jones, found Stringbean and Estelle dead on their property. We are unsure about investigation details, but the cousins were quickly tracked down and arrested, immediately turning on each other. That's why we can't say definitively which cousin shot Stringbean and Estelle. Both of them could have been murderers, or maybe just one of them pulled the trigger that night, but unfortunately, we'll never know. The impact on the Nashville community was devastating. Not only had country music violently lost a legend, but among a large group of people who knew each other so well and trusted one another, the murder of String Bean and Estelle shook the town to its core. It made everyone question the intent of the people they were working with and changed Nashville forever. To draw a comparison, I feel like Hollywood had been built on corruption and deceit essentially from the beginning, so people knew to protect themselves there, but Nashville had been able to maintain this idyllic, trustworthy way of life for so long, and to have such a brutal, senseless murder occur to one of their own, well, it must have been a horrible shock. And the terrible irony of it all is the money they didn't even find. It was reported that authorities found thousands of dollars hidden in string bean and Estelle's clothing that the cousins were unable to find. Going back to Sam Bush's ballad, there's another set of lyrics I'd like to share. And 23 years later, they tore the fireplace down. There was $20,000 that them brown boys never found. $20,000. I'm not saying that's a good reason to murder someone, but that had to have been a lot of money in 1973. Grandpa Jones testified at the murder trial of Doug and John Brown, identifying one of the guns the men had stolen as a gift Jones had given to Stringbean. As I said earlier, they blamed each other, but they were both sentenced to life in prison. Doug died behind bars in 2003 and in a terrible turn of events, the Tennessee Board of Parole voted to release John in 2014. Despite numerous letters of objection from Opry members, including bluegrass singer Mac Wiseman, who later called the reversal a, quote, great miscarriage of justice, and went on to say, quote, 
I fully believe that the good Lord forgives us for our mistakes, but the parole board members don't have that authority, spiritually or otherwise, to forgive that man, I don't think, unquote. In 2014, John was just 64 years old. The pastor of a megachurch in Texas, who himself is a convicted murderer, offered John a job on his custodial staff upon release. It is unclear to us what John Brown is up to now and whether he ever took that job, as John Brown is such a common name. It's heartbreaking to think about how so many people in the country music scene fought for years to keep that man behind bars through numerous appeals, only to have him walk free. He either murdered two people or helped murder two people in cold blood. He should have served the full two life sentences. Agreed. Out of his 198-year sentence, he only served 41 years. He's outlived many of the people who called Stringbean and Estelle friends, but thankfully, their legacy has not been forgotten. Thank you for listening. All of our sources are in today's show notes, as well as those important resources. You can find us at Enmeshed underscore True Crime Podcast on Instagram or Enmeshed True Crime Podcast on Facebook and let us know what you think. You can also get a behind-the-scenes look at the show and chat with us about any of the cases you've heard here or share case suggestions. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to keep up with Enmeshed and join us every Monday for fresh takes on stale relationships. Enmeshed is an Oh No production. Oh no!